1: Here with uh, Kirk, I believe we're uh, sending our our social media message out back to Argentina. Uh, Today, this is the first time we will have broadcast when the the great tweet is now uh, at the head of uh, Twitter. It's going to be interesting (laughs) to see what Elon Musk uh, does. Elon Musk is uh, such an enigma. He is uh, obviously insanely bright. Uh, what he's done with SpaceX and a private business to surpass NASA is, is amazing. You can just look at the difference between his rockets and the fact they're, they're re, uh, renewable, reusable. Uh, his cockpits look like uh, you just stepped into the, the 22nd century with their big uh, flat screens and touch screens and from the, the astronaut's uniform. I mean, the whole nine yards is just—he uh,
2: mm-hmm.
1: took a tank and made it look like a Ferrari, and uh, and then he's got—and uh, uh, that, that was just for giggles because you know, his primary business is is uh, the electric uh, car, where uh, Tesla, I think now, is the most highly valued auto company in the world, and and has something in the range of like an eighty-five percent market share of electric vehicles. Uh, <laughs> the guy now owns. Twitter, which he says I bought it to save humanity, and I think he probably means it in the uh, in the mm-hmm. sense that uh, the free speech, uh, the, yeah, the the whole uh, uh, social media realm and the internet had been controlled by a bunch of uh, progressives, and and so they they wanted to outlaw anybody that said anything that was contrary to their belief system and elon musk is a free speech guy he says you know i think it's important that people be able to to uh to say what they want to say and you ought to have the judgment to uh, know what's right and wrong uh if you Mm -hmm. don't hear both sides even if you have idiots speaking on both sides what is the purpose of being judgmental what's the purpose of thinking so it's important to expose people and uh, you know one of the great travesties of this war in Ukraine, which is you know, exceedingly dangerous. It's put the mm-hmm. world at the precipice of uh, of, of a nuclear, nuclear holocaust. And, yeah. and even if it doesn't reach that, and I think it will reach a nuclear uh, holocaust, is you've you've destroyed economies, you've caused people to starve, uh, and it's all based upon. Disinformation, because the United States, going back now more than 20 years, really, has been, I think, uh, the first move in this regard was 1996, about four years after uh, the Soviet Union broke apart. Uh, There was already conversation at the highest levels of Washington about bringing the old um, countries that have been part of the Soviet Union into NATO. Uh, including and specifically Ukraine and Georgia, uh, knowing this was going to bring war. And they knew that it was going to bring war and they knew there'd be a cost of that war and they deliberately brought it on. But because we are so indoctrinated now uh, and given only one side of, of any story, um, sequestered if you have a dissenting view, um, that we're, uh, we really are on the precipice of, uh, of disintegration. The United States has is, is now become the ultimate house of cards. We thought right after the disintegration of the Soviet Union that we were the lone power of the world, that our 4% of the population ought to be able to police and, and control every aspect of trade, every bit of politics the world over. And... We acted that way, but we destroyed ourselves in the process. We did something that insanely egotistical and awesomely counterproductive. And now we have destroyed our economy, our currency. We've uh, made our military uh, a liability. We've broken the world. And... We have so indoctrinated our people that they don't even know what they're, what's happened to them. We jumped off the cliff
2: mm-hmm.
1: and don't even know that we're about to die. But it is a, it is a sad thing, and, and that's a good thing that uh, Musk, who is a pro-free um, speech advocate, um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: bought it. Uh, uh, well, you know we're anti-political. We ought never have kicked a sitting president off of, uh, of Twitter. Or a former president off of uh, Twitter, so I'm sure that Trump will be able to come back if he wants to. And you know, even guys like uh, Kanye West, who hey, you almost feel sorry for because he's he has all sorts of, of yeah yeah so he has all sorts mm-hmm. of mental uh, um, uh, ailments. Uh, even his wife, you know, just gave up on him and said, you know, you need to pity him. He is a very very sick man. Uh, And we ought to just take his microphone away and uh, and our family ought to take his microphone away and and let him uh, make a fool of himself in the dark. If he wants to say terrible things about Jews, it's really better that he be allowed to say them. Well, I disagree Uh, to a point. You know, I think that the the uh, Herodim uh, movement, this. Uh, terror that has been perpetrated on Jews is a travesty. Mm -hmm. So ultra-Orthodox Judaism I think is the greatest threat there is to the Jewish people. Uh, I see the parliamentary system without an actual constitution with this full integration and partnership between the secular and the sectarian in Israel as a uh, catastrophe. I think that the Israel's unwillingness to openly condemn the notion of a Palestinian and a Palestine, making it absolutely clear that there has never been a place called Palestine. There are no people called Palestinians. And this notion that Israel can surrender control of land for peace is insane. If you think mm-hmm. that's great, look at Gaza. Uh, yeah. This, so there are issues with Israel and we ought to be free to say them and still say that God loves his people they are his people it is his land it is his story it is his covenant and we hope that one day one day soon because we don't have much time left they will listen but a Kanye West is despicable as who he is, and he's just a flat-out anti-Semite racist. He's not critical of ultra-Orthodox Judaism or the parliamentary system in Russia. He's just bought into the lies of the conspiracies. He still ought not be censured. Wise people, courageous people ought to stand up and say, he's wrong, and here's the reasons he's wrong. I'll give you a good example. Uh, is uh, We were telling okay. the story of Elia. Elia is uh, one of my very favorite people. I'd put him in my top five all time, um, you know, in terms of uh, people. Uh, in my case, uh, Dode uh, is uh, number one. Sorry, Kirk, I, I think you're a swell guy. No, you yes, Yeah, yeah. Dode Um, is um, in my um, top um, five. Moshe is in my top five. Uh, Yasha, Yash, clearly in my uh, top five. But so is Elia. And uh, I like him because he's no nonsense, because he's sarcastic, because he's bold, and he will uh, give them both barrels. He will follow Yahweh's instructions uh, to the letter. So we were talking about the great showdown between uh, the 850 prophets of Baal and Asherah and Elia's response to them. Uh, and finally, when it was all over, the children of Israel, each person who witnessed it, they fell on their faces and they said, Yahweh, he is almighty God. Yahweh, he is God almighty. 1 Malachi 1839. They didn't know Yahweh any better that moment than they had 10 minutes before when they were rooting for bail they did not understand any of the symbols that we discussed in last week's program by falling no. down they demonstrated they were clueless as to what yahweh intended yeah. i think that this proclamation was for another time for 2033 A few years from now, when the children of Yisra'el will finally come to embrace the light and actually mean it when they look up and call out, Yahweh, he is God Almighty. Boy, think about how much has to happen between now and then. Because other than the members of the covenant uh, that have come to know Yahweh through these programs and these books, um, Mm -hmm. there aren't uh, but a handful of Jews on the planet that will even acknowledge Yahweh's name. So can you imagine Jews actually saying, that? yeah, wow, yeah, he is, no. he is God Almighty." Hard to imagine. Yes, hard and to imagine. That is an absolute requirement. If you're going to be among those who are reconciled back into fellowship with Yahweh when He returns in year six thousand Yah, which is 2033, Mamadis was off his rocker when he came up with his timeline. We are uh, just here now, and the fall of 2022. We're only 11 years away from Yahweh's return. He's returning with the Dode. Dode is the Masayak. Three and a half years before Yahweh's return, el is going to uh, celebrate Pesach in 2030 uh, as one of the final two witnesses. That's how much time you have. And if you don't come to know Yahweh, my name, you don't recognize that you need to disassociate from religion and politics and come to accept the terms and conditions of the covenant, then you're going to be on the wrong side of his return, and that's not a good place to be. The fact is that the allegiance with these Israelites was fleeting. And that's one of the reasons that Yahweh very seldom conveys his presence through signs and wonders. You know, he ignited the uh, the altar uh, when um, uh, it was appropriate oh, in yeah. this particular yeah. case right. with Elia. That is something, mm-hmm. so that is a sign from the heavens, if you will. Uh, there were the ten uh, signs that became the plagues uh, uh, to free the children of Israel. But if you look at the aftermath of this event, which we will hear in a moment, you look at the aftermath of the, uh, the plagues uh, over Egypt, it didn't take what, <laughs> well, 40, uh, what, 50 days for the children of Israel, <laughs> including Aaron, yeah. to be making a, uh, a golden calf uh, and the image of mm-hmm. uh, the Apis the Bull uh, cult. Mm. I mean, they were disgruntled jerks during ninety-nine percent of the Yatza Exodus, so those were mighty signs of uh, and wonders, and you know, drowning the Egyptian army that was pursuing them in the Gulf of Aqaba, the Red Sea. Mighty signs of and what uh, having the entire top of the mountain uh, oh, be engulfed in fire and not burn, and yet have. Moshe and and others climb the mountain to receive the Torah, and they're not cons- consumed by the fire. I mean, these are signs and wonders, and they had zero effect on the children of Israel. The same thing is true here. Yeah. So, if you're looking for a sign from God, go away. It's not going to be bothered by you because it it will do you no good, and He isn't going to do it. Yeah. He, is, he is not your uh, your trick pony. He's not the no. genie in the Come model I... that and can uh, rub for three wishes. You say, well, what's the difference in a God that won't answer my uh, my request and no God at all? For you, nothing. If you want to know God, though, if you'd like to receive the benefits that he's offering, and they're pretty extraordinary, then you can encounter him by reading his Torah and Prophets. That's where you'll find it. You have to throw away books like the New Testament, like the Zohar, like the Babylonian Talmud. I would say throw away the Quran, but if you're dumb enough to believe the Quran was inspired by God, <laughs> you're, not listening to, you're not listening to this program. Uh, but once you've thrown away the religious books, once you recognize that that uh, it really doesn't matter which moron is the uh, head of your government, they're all rotten to the core, um, then you're in a position to at least listen to Yahweh. But you need to stop praying, and you've got to get off your cotton-picking knees. No praying, no bowing listen. down. Listen. And you can listen by reading his Torah and Prophets. So God will introduce himself to you, But his miracle is um, prophecy. The fact that he predicted things in the past that have subsequently come true. That's how he proves his existence. The fact that his writing style is brilliant, too, that doesn't hurt. It is the attempt of a loving father to embrace his children, not to scare them. Miracles do not promote understanding. They most often cause those who experience them to bow down in fear. What did the Israelites do? They fell upon their faces. Mm -hmm. And that's not going to work. If you're going to walk with Yahweh, if you're going to engage with him as part of his family, you are going to have to get off of your knees, off of your faces, shut your mouth, and listen to him, even though the Israelites were as dumb as stones on this day. I'm sorry, it's just the truth. And it's symbolic of the Haredi today. Boy, I saw a, uh, a video, um, a descendant of Baal Shem Tov was just destroying the mythology of the Haredi. The Haredi are the majority of, of religious Jews in Israel, uh, I think they're the second largest group, but obviously the most obnoxious group in America. Um, they are considered ultra orthodox, but they're anything but. Uh, the religion of of the Haredi uh, was created in the 18th century. Uh, it's attributed to a guy that wrote nothing down, so it's all posthumously uh, projected back on a, on a myth of a man. Uh, the birthplace, of course, is the Ukraine, which is not so coincidentally why that is the precipice of war uh, worldwide. They wear the mourning suits. You'll notice them by the black hats and the black suits and the ugly, scrawny uh, black beards. God despises them. Uh, when you read the Torah and prophets, um, the dominant theme is not Yahweh saying, here's my covenant, here's the terms and conditions of my covenant, here are my invitations to meet, uh, here's what those, uh, each of those seven uh, invitations uh, okay. mean pursuant mm-hmm. to your, uh, mm-hmm. your soul and our relationship. The majority theme of the Torah and prophets is God telling us how much he hates religion. And because he's speaking primarily to his people and calls his people out by name, either Yahud or Yisrael, he's condemning Judaism. And for those who would say, well, Judaism didn't exist when all this was written, well, you can't make that claim without being a complete hypocrite. Because your claim, even though it's not true, is that your oral Torah, which you now refer to as the Talmud, was given at the same time that the written Torah was given to Moshe. So if it was given at the same time, which is a lie, then Judaism dates all the way back to the first of these prophets, Moshe. But there's really no difference between Judaism and all the various absurd belief systems that have stained Israel's past. And there's nothing God despises more than religion. So for all of those nincompoops out there that think that they're pleasing God by their religiosity, all you're doing is embarrassing yourself, you're oppressing your people, you're lying to everyone, and you are the primary obstacle between Israelites and Yahudim coming to know God. But anyway, this man, boy, he just absolutely destroyed it. He's just saying that Baal Shem Tov, his great ancestor, was, was a nobody, said nothing. That this whole thing is just this pile of lies that have been repeated to the point that, uh, that they're all acting Accepted. Yeah, like the lemmings jumping off a cliff. Uh, and as i say they, one good thing is they're they're already dressed for their own funeral so uh that's a uh i guess that's a positive i was uh, translating the first i uh, finished the uh the uh most recent volume' It's not on the bookshelf yet but it 's uh, volume nine of yada yao it is a, uh, a a pretty comprehensive review of daniel um and it's uh, it's every word of the last Six chapters, seven through twelve, and a uh, pretty decent review of the first six chapters, and it uh, it's stunning. There's nothing ever. There's nothing that has ever been written that even approximates what you're going to read, should you open volume nine when it uh, hits the bookshelf. Uh, but one of the uh, the most interesting things of uh, Daniel nine is we came to realize that. His vision of uh, what Christians think is Jesus and uh, Jews think is uh, um, HaShem is actually of Satan. And it's uh, very descriptive of Paul's meeting with Satan on the road to Damascus. Mm -hmm. Uh, So now I've moved on, and I have not left Babylon, unfortunately, because I'm now translating Ezekiel. And I wanted to translate Ezekiel because, well, he has a lot to say about the Magog War and so that we would know what uh, Israel should be expecting during the last days. And he also has a lot to say about Israel's restoration and uh, Dod, who is the Messiah and King, uh, his return. However, the last time you read uh, Ezekiel 1. Years ago. Okay. Ezekiel one purports to be a vision that Ezekiel had when the heavens opened up and he saw his God. However, it's Satan again. He's in, in Babylon plan. and he's witnessing Satan. It's the most overt presentation of Satan you'll you will ever read. And I, I turned to um, a number of religious websites just to see how they deal with the reality that, uh, that Satan again. And, and Satan is being presented for a good reason. Same reason that Daniel witnessed Satan while he was in Babylon. Ezekiel is witnessing Satan in Babylon, and the next 33 chapters of Daniel focus on a single thing, why a Guy hates religion and politics. So who is the inspiration of religion and politics that emerged out of Babylon?
0: No, Satan, of course.
1: Satan. So you set the whole thing up and saying here he is. This is the consequence. And so I read them and it, it is it was particularly painful to read with with uh, Shabbat, the uh, voice of uh, Hasidic uh, Judaism, um, maybe the most influential voice in our, uh, Jewish life today, had to say. The, the rabbis actually believe that uh, that was uh, their God and that um, uh, that it is the uh, presentation of the spiritualism that is found uh, in the Kabbalah and, and the uh, Zohar, and it is the inspiration for uh, Kabbalah and the Zohar. Well, I guess they got that part right. That's true. Yeah. It just has nothing to do with God. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, there's four astrological signs. The, uh, there's a, there's four beasts that uh, uh, that are allegedly representing God that really represent uh, uh, Satan. There are four uh, four beasts, and they are beasts. It, it's translated as living creatures, but the the uh, word means uh, wild animal or beast. And um, four of them, and they have four faces. Uh, and the uh, the four faces are the four. Corner astrological signs that that uh, govern uh, the four points of uh, of a compass and the four seasons, and they uh, they represent the primary four religions: the Babylonian pagan religion that morphed uh, into all of the others, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. Uh, and if you read a Christian account, they are the four Gospels. <laughs> so it it is yeah, astonishing. And how it's people will take you know. something that's demonic and twist it to something positive. I mean, the, the encounter ends by this beast burning the house of God. So it's, it's pretty despicable. And in your face that it's, uh, it's wrong, and yet no one seems to be able to figure these, uh, these things out. And that is the problem of religion. It warps a person's mind. So that they lose the ability to uh, to think. So I would say that the Israelites on that day are symbolic of the Haredi today. And Elia didn't want anything to do with them. So he was one of them racially uh, by uh, ethnicity, which is why we don't ever criticize someone by their ethnicity ever, but he was not one of them by religion. He understood the consequence and the fate of false prophets, of those who speak for the Lord, and there's a lesson here for all who would dare promote religion, especially Judaism. So then Elia, which means Yahweh is God, said to them, Seize of your own volition, having caught them in the act, arrest and restrain. The prophets of the Lord, Ha-Baal, of those acting as master and owner with the intent of possessing and controlling, not letting a person among them escape or be spared. And they, after catching them in the act, took control of them, restraining them. And they brought them down. To Elia and to the Kishon, which is a a river um, that uh, runs through the uh, Yezreel Valley, and he killed them and then and there. There were eight hundred and fifty total uh, prophets. If you killed one a minute, it's fourteen hours. If you uh, killed one every thirty seconds, it's uh, Seven hours. I, I don't think. I don't think personally. I have what it takes to swing a sword or wield a knife to uh, to do uh, even the first of them, much less uh, all of them. So I I'm suspecting here there was some divine intervention again. But um, yeah, um, kill them all.
0: But a poison a poisonous snake in your child's bed is no trouble to kill it. It's going to kill your child. So that's what a father yeah. would do.
1: Yeah. You yeah. Know, oh, cl- clearly, if you're—I mean, I, yeah. I, I don't have an issue with why. No, it no, is but some people
0: do. They say It's no.
1: You know, if yeah. if uh, you're going to live in a home with your family, and it's filled with brown recluse spiders, mm-hmm. black widows, yeah. uh, and uh, and flea-infested uh, rats that have the bubonic plague, you either kill them or you let them kill your family you know if you're going to move into a uh, a neighborhood with uh with rapists and mass murderers and pedophiles you'd better speak out against them and and see to it that they're incarcerated before you subject your family to them now We have to be a little careful. There was a nincompoop uh, that would have nothing to do with us because he was obviously politically motivated, ran into Nancy Pelosi's house in San Francisco where her husband Peter was there wielding a hammer. And uh, there's where it's Nancy and then proceeded to bash uh, Peter, who's 80-something in the head, with his hammer. Uh, We are not prophets. I'm not. Kirk, you're not. No one listening to this program mm-hmm. is. There hasn't been a prophet and won't be a prophet until el returns. Even then, he's not going to speak prophetically about the future. No. Uh, Doge mm-hmm. will return in 2033. He is the most articulate of the prophets, but that's not going to be his role when he returns. Yeah, well, was very clear in, well actually it was Dode who was speaking to us, uh, in, uh, in, Daniel. And when, in Daniel 9, he, uh, he's very clear saying there will be no more prophets, which makes it pretty hard to claim to be a, a heavy religion that's based upon the Torah and prophets, and then claim to have a Talmud, New Testament, and Koran, all of which came much later, and you claim that they were prophetically inspired, uh, that would be impossible according to the testimony in the book. So you've got to be really uh, careful here because uh, we do not live in Israel. We're not a prophet taking instructions directly from God. He uh, did not uh, tell us to go off and kill anyone. Uh, Our job now is to use the words he revealed through his prophets to expose and condemn those things that are wrong and to affirm uh, and promote those things that are right, that are consistent with Yahweh's testimony. That's our job. We are to use words. If somebody does something Mm -hmm. stupid like uh, Benjamin Netanyahu uh, uh, bribing the Herodim religious parties to allow them to suck the nation dry – uh, to uh, pay, be paid to pollute their minds—that's mm-hmm. that, a terrible thing, and we ought to say it. When the acting prime minister goes and touts about the two-state solution, of the United Nation—that's something that's horrible, yeah. and we ought to speak out against it. Now, this failed parliamentary system in Israel—we ought to be it. It doesn't work. So we can use our words. But don't resort to violence. You'll make a a bad situation worse a 100% of the time. It is not our job to do so. And frankly, the world needs more people who are willing to speak the truth boldly and bluntly. Yeah. Now, for these religious ministers, there would be no salvation, no escape. Their souls were on a collision course with Shield. They were going to spend eternity incarcerated with the others who would preach in the name of the Lord. It's going to be a very religious place, Ellis. Elia did not try to rehabilitate them. You know, if there's anybody in, what was the guy's name? Frank Former, I think. The uh, Something on high. Power on high that they used mm. to uh, write me and, and occasionally contribute. And, and uh, he uh, went and got a burr in his side because there was a, a very well-educated, seminary-trained, religious advocate. I think we called him Moody Scott all those years ago. He <laughs> <remember>, uh, yeah. <laughs> was just belligerent in his uh, arguments yeah. against uh, Yahweh. Well, yeah. Oh, Frank wanted to rehabilitate him. I'm going to love him into, uh, love
0: him you know, into, into a heaven.
1: relationship with my yeah. Lord. Yeah, well, I'm telling you, that is not the right approach. It's not what El did. It says the hell with you. You know, you're dangerous. I'm not trying to fix you. It is an absolute and utter waste of time to speak to a religious person about God or to speak to a political person about God. They're not going to change. And we don't even want them to change. If somebody of their own initiative makes the decision that I'm going to disassociate from the religious and political, that, that they've come to the conclusion that these people are lying to them and they aren't to be trusted, and then take the step of, now I want to know Yahweh, then mm-hmm. we're ready we to are. talk. And we have written 25 volumes offered freely at the yadaya.com site for you to read and to study and to learn. They're also available in paperback for just the cost of the printing and shipping with no royalty to us. We've done our best to make the truth known. Now it's your job. So Elia did not seek to rehabilitate. He did not try to save them. He did not negotiate with them. He did not engage them in debate. He did not respect them. He did not compromise with them. He did not tolerate them. Boy, those are all things that are completely contrary to what we're told we should do today. We ought to respect Mm -hmm. one another. We ought to compromise we ought to show tolerance. Point we ought this. to negotiate. We ought to rehabilitate. No, 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 and no. Now, this is a fellow that God trusts to such an extent that he's bringing him back. He's the only prophet being brought back during the last days to awaken his people. The other fellow's not a prophet. So that's the Mm -hmm. degree that God respects and trusts this man, el And yet he did not try to rehabilitate them. He did not negotiate with them. He did not debate them. He did not respect them. He did not compromise with them. He did not tolerate them. They, like every religious cleric before and after, sought to negate the value of Yahweh's name by referring to their God as the Lord. It is the unforgivable sin which serves as the basis of the third statement that Yahweh etched in stone is the reason why there will not be a single religious Jew that will enter heaven. Not one. There'll be no Christians in heaven, there'll be no Muslims in heaven either. But our mission is to awaken Jews. Now, if you've been listening closely, you'll notice that this was the second encounter with the Nashal Akechon, the lure of the river. Uh, It flows through the heart of the Jezreel Valley. We're speaking of what occurred in the Jezreel Valley, specifically because Yahweh uses the occurrences in the Jezreel Valley to explain why he is divorcing Israel and why there's going to be a very long time out. So the last mention was when uh, Deborah, uh, um, she spoke out uh, against the oppression of Israel and was successful and had a woman uh, save the uh, the day. It was a mighty miracle that, that took place in this place. And it liberated, yeah, it was wayward children, from oppression and abuse. But now they were abusing him again. Mm -hmm. So God is fair. Those who align themselves with the Lord uh, will remain associated with him. It's the coolest thing in the world. If you've been promoting the Lord God, you have an express ticket to Sheol, which was established to incarcerate Hasatan. So, considering the consequence of not restraining them and uh, failing to preclude their lives from continuing to infect his people, eliminating them from the presence of their most compassionate, this was the most compassionate and reasonable response. It is one of the things that is necessary in love. People you know, say today that we, uh, we have to stamp out hate. Uh, exactly the opposite. We need to and know what to the hate. hate. And how to hate, because you can't love and protect those things that have value if you don't learn what to hate and how to hate. Uh, Back to the town again. If there's pedophiles in the town, if there's rapists in the town, if there's mass murderers in the town, if you do not speak out against these things and hate these things, then you're not in a position to love those that uh, you should be merciful towards. So we need to know what to hate and how to hate. and from God's point of view, the thing that he hates the most are uh, the, religion. the spokespeople for religion. Mm-hmm. Now, when Elia returns on Pesach in 2030, and then during the following three and a half years, his words will continue to torch the religious one after another. They're all going to go down in flames. In this case, death wasn't even a penalty. The prophets of the Lord will be sentenced to spend an eternity locked up in the lightless realm of Sheol, from which there will be no escape. They were given what they wanted, an eternity with their Lord. That's one of the nice things about the Herodim, too. You know, they take all the pictures, all wearing their black with their scraggly gray beards. They're going to get exactly what they want, an eternity. Good point. With yeah. the fellow Herodim Boys. Talk about a lightless place. Imagine it filled with those black suits. (laughs) (laughs) Hell indeed. Yeah, hell indeed. (laughs) We ought not be bothered by the conclusion of this affair. This was not just a test between Yahweh and the Lord. It was a referendum on life and death. The same choice is before all of us. And the consequence... And penalty remain exactly the same. The Lord is deadly. deadly. Associating with him will kill you. Religion is fatal. Never lose sight of this reality. This is not a game. All the while, Jezebel, who uh, was the great uh, patron of the priests of, of Baal and uh, Asherah, yeah, okay. she had come from. Uh, from Lebanon uh, for the express purpose of bringing that religious rubbish with her uh, she uh, had a conniption fit over the death of her prophets uh, and uh, you know they were the stalwarts of her religion and the nature of religion and politics is that they go hand in hand one justifies the other they justified her claim to power and with no one to support her uh, she decided that Maybe what I'll do is I'll just try to kill the messenger. What could be better than putting a death warrant on Elia? Yahweh's favorite person on the planet at the time. I got a great idea. I'll try to kill God's buddy. First of all, ain't going to happen. Second of all, pick the wrong enemy. She was not alone in her hatred for Yahweh. You know, when I Mentioned that um, that Israel uh, was clueless that day, even though they had the right answer, just mm-hmm. having the right answer, knowing the right answer and understanding what it means I, are worlds yeah. apart. Yeah. And as far yeah, uh, that yeah. their newfound faith and God was pleading, here's some justification for that conclusion. And a spiritual messenger, a malach, Of Yahweh returned a second time, and he touched him. He says, hey, rise, be nourished, because the path is important, and the journey is extensive for you. (laughs) I would say so. About uh, 2,800 uh, years worth of journey, and then we can throw on another 1,000, and then a forever. Uh, (laughs) Hell yes. yes. (laughs) Put it that way. I would say that's an extensive journey. So he stood up, he ate, and he drank. Yeah, you know, simple things. The messenger of Yahweh says, uh, let's get up, uh, get nourished, let's get going. So what did El do? He stood up, ate and drank, and ready to go. Simple stuff. Good question. You, 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 you want to be part of what is trying to accomplish?
0: Be like Noah. Yahweh
1: says, yeah. okay, this is what's going to happen, and I want you to build a, a boat, an ark. Okay. He went off and built an ark. Do what Yahweh is asking, and there's a good chance you're going to end up on the right side of this, particularly if you understand it, capitalize on it, come to respect Yahweh and the process. You will certainly end up as part of his family. So then he set out on a uh, journey based upon the fortification uh, of that meal for 40 days and 40 nights into Chorub, the mountain of God. 40, 40, 40, 40. It's always 40. Mm-hmm. 40 is important. You know, rain for 40 days and 40 nights uh, during the time of the aforementioned Noah. The children of Israel uh, wandered 40 years in the wilderness trying to get their act together so Yahweh could let them into the promised land. It was the duration of a time of testing in both of those uh, occasions. Mm-hmm. Um, they were uh, 400 years, slaves in, uh, in Israel, 10 times uh, 40, a duration. Of a time of testing. 40 is a very important number because there are 40 Yobel. Yobel is 7 times 7 plus 1. Uh, Those are the years where all slaves are freed, all debts are forgiven, uh, and the land uh, is returned so that uh, it uh, is shared by Yahweh. Those are the Yobel. So 40 Yobel is 2,000 years. Once we have The timing of the first four Yobel, the day and the year that they were fulfilled, which Dode provides. Dode is Gabriel. So when Gabriel comes to speak with uh, Daniel, um, he actually is introduced by Mikael. Mikael is the second witness, uh, neither one of which obviously are angels. Uh, But when uh, uh, Gabriel speaks, who is Dode, speaks to Daniel and said this is the, the accounting of time, and in Daniel 9, he, he sp- talks specifically about the fulfillment of the first four mickrey. The dating comes to uh, four days before Passover, which is when the Passover lamb would enter uh, the family's home. Uh, four days later was Passover in year 4000 Yah. Uh, and the first four mickrey were fulfilled in year 4000 Yah. Once you know that date, and the next thing out mm-hmm. of uh, Dod's mouth trippily, was yeah. in the anointing of the Most High, which is when, uh, when uh, Dode anoints the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant uh, to fulfill the Torah's requirements for reconciliation uh, during Kippurim, which is when he and Yahweh are returning, exactly 40 Yobel from that date, which would be year 6000 Yah. And you can go back in time. To year 2000, Yah, when Yahweh initiated the covenant with uh, Abraham, yeah. allowing us back into the garden uh, and into fellowship with him, which is exactly 40 Yobel after the time that Adam and Chawa were kicked out of the garden. And you can use that formula, of 40 Yobel, to pinpoint every important event since our exclusion from the garden to our return to it. So 40 is an exceedingly important number. Chorub is an exceedingly important place. Yeah. Because it was on Chorub that Yahweh gave the written Torah Torah to to Mm -hmm. Moshe. Of course, the Badim is uh, Moshe's uh, explanations of the Torah, his commentary on the Torah. Uh, comprises Dabarim, uh, all speeches of Moshe to the children of Israel, explaining what he had heard, which is Yahweh's style. All of his prophets uh, exude their own perspectives and personalities through the revelation, so that uh, each offers a unique flavor, their own vocabulary, their own personal passions, and uh, a little bit of their own history. Uh, so that we can see Yahweh's testimony from, um, through eyes that can become familiar to us, that we can relate to. It's one of the reasons why the two witnesses that are the most troubling by far are Daniel and Ezekiel, because both were poisoned by the, uh, the mother of all beasts. These things are important. Uh, Torah is where the Torah was revealed. To the uh, the children of uh, Israel, and so that is where Eliah went. Oh, what a thrill! I mean, if if God's going to wake you up with a Malak one day and say, <laughs> yeah, "Eat up. up, we're going on we're going on a trip," uh, he would have left uh, Israel for the walk down to uh, to Chorab. Um, what a place! I mean, it's pretty barren there now, and it. it Goodness gracious! Can you imagine being asked to come uh, to uh, to meet with with God on on Chorab?
0: On Chorab?
2: <laughs> that's
1: pretty. Yeah, that's pretty special. Wow! I guess. That's pretty special. You know, I was talking before the show began. I wanted you to get membership now that you're a Carmelian uh, to <laughs> okay. uh, you know, Cypress Point. I'll move into your spare bedroom. You know, we'll. <laughs> We'll go, out and play, uh, we'll go out and play golf. But then you really will like I me, huh? I'll tell you, if, uh, if a Malak comes, knocks on my door and says, we're going to Chorab, I'm sorry. There you go. I'm oh, sorry. Uh, sorry. You, you, I you need, you need yeah, another pal for the, uh, the golf date. Yeah, I'll probably go with me. So that's, that's weird. That's weird. <laughs> anyway, he said he came to a cave, and there he to spend the night, and uh, there to become aware that the word of Yahweh uh, came to him. So he's in Chorab. Word of Yahweh comes to him. She uh, asked him, "Why are you here in this place, Elia?" Well, of course, the obvious answer is, uh, "Well, because uh, <laughs> you block me. Said, Let's let's come here. Uh, well, that wasn't his answer. Uh, he uh, he had a, a, a different uh, approach, and he said he replied, mm-hmm. "I've been extre- Yeah, I've been extremely devoted to the relationship with Yahweh." Uh, pretty good answer (laughs) okay that's a good one I've been extremely zealous and devoted to the relationship kana kana with Yahweh the God of the spiritual envoys by contrast the children of Israel have rejected and abandoned your familial covenant relationship he was concerned about his people yeah. uh, and he knew that the problem with his people is they had rejected the covenant. Very simple concept, the covenant, the family relationship, no religion allowed, uh, simple yeah. um, agreement. God has five conditions. There are five benefits, straightforward, simple agreement. The only way to survive this life is to accept the five terms and conditions and receive the five benefits. Uh, conditions, uh, I could spew them out for you, but it would be just like, uh, you know, yeah, well, performing the miracle five minutes after I said it, even if you mm. regurgitated them, it wouldn't do you any good. What I would recommend if you do not know them is go to yadayad.com and uh, click on the, uh, the book that uh, is labeled family. It's about the fourth, I think. Yeah, no, it's actually now not the fourth, because the first three are an introduction to God. Uh, then you have uh, beginning uh, is the uh, is the next one, uh, and so it's it's going to be uh, about uh, five or six books. Out it's called Family. Click on it, open it, read it. That's one of the shorter volumes, and it will lay out each of the five conditions of the covenant and the five benefits and how we know that they are these. So he replied, "You know, I've been extremely zealous and devoted to the relationship." with Yahweh, the God of the spiritual envoys, by contrast, the children of Israel have rejected and abandoned your family covenant relationship. They have torn down and destroyed your altars. They have murdered your prophets with the sword. And I am here by myself. And they are searching for me to take my soul. You know, Kirk, I, I've, uh, I did this about 10 years uh, during mm-hmm. which time there was almost no one other than Yao and myself. You know, we, we now have a wonderful team uh, uh, devoted to
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, publishing the books, editing the books, uh, uh, managing social media, uh, building a marvelous uh, website at uh disseminating this message, the wonderful family partnership. But a lot of that time, there wasn't. And yeah. during the time that there just wasn't, I never once felt alone. I get up in the morning, couldn't wait to uh, spend time with Yahweh and learn from him. And uh, that's really where Elias' position was. It doesn't matter. You know, I wrote uh, Prophet of Doom, and after writing Prophet of Doom and doing about 5,000 radio shows, under my actual name, Mm -hmm. uh, I received about 10,000 death threats, patois and the like. I never ducked, never felt vulnerable, never ran for cover. Didn't need to. Yahweh was there to protect me. If you're going to do what Yahweh wants done, I can assure you, Yahweh's going to see to it that you get to do what he wants done. And Elia would have known that far more than me. In the order of things, el would have come after Shamuel. He lived after Dod and Solomon. But he came before Hosha which is the uh, book we'll be analyzing over these next uh, few months. He uh, mm-hmm. preceded uh, Yashaya, uh, my favorite prophet. Chabauk, who is...
0: Cool dude wow,
1: here. Yeah. Cool dude, man. Yeah. Chabauk is the guy that, uh, that uh, absolutely Paul. spits yeah. Paul to, out, tears him Shoot him, him up, spit him out, yeah. Him. Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: Yeah, there's n- nothing left of Paul in Christianity by the time you read uh, Chabauk. Yermaya, which uh, also an exceedingly articulate and, and bright uh, man who has given the opportunity to cover the breadth of human history. Yaketel, which I'm translating now. I'm uh, I'm gonna am I'm gonna survive my second trip into uh, to Babylon, but uh, uh, not one of my uh, not one of my favorites. Uh, uh, but I don't even know how many times I'm gonna even say this name, uh, Daniel. Oh, my goodness. There was a messed up individual. Zachariah, another extraordinary uh, individual, a fun man to read, wonderful prophet to translate, and uh, equally so with Malachi. That's where he fits in this timeline. So, had he read Dode's 91st or 119th Mismore? The 91st is God's promise to protect those uh, who are engaged in his business he would have been celebrating his arrival at Torah, the mountain and sword of God, where the Torah was revealed. Even with the preponderance of his people seeking to kill him, it would have meant nothing. He would, wouldn't have cared. He would laugh at it. Yeah, you know, I'm just a witness. I'm not a prophet. And yet, even after receiving thousands upon thousands of death threats in the wake of Prophet of and then a decade Working alone, as I've shared on the initial volumes of Yada Yawa an Introduction to God and Questioning Paul, I have never ducked, never hid for a moment, never felt isolated or threatened. Yawa is great company, and he is fiercely protective of his children. Now, to be fair, as ill-prepared as I was when he invited me into his service, and I was mm-hmm. invited by default, there was no one else who was willing, God had to bolster what little he had to work with. Uh, El goes and says there's seven spirits that uh, are going to shore this dude up. So I was in good company, and I've always been, recognizing that I would be the first of my kind as the Goy, and the last in the long line. Yahweh couldn't take any chances. Yom Kippur still hangs in the balance. What follows serves as a fitting conclusion to our time, this time with Elia. We're going to get another opportunity to be with him in, um, uh, well, 2030, which was eight years from, uh, from now. On that day, and uh, all Yisrael as well uh, will be the case when he returns, there were only 7,000 men, women, and children who had not bowed before Baal. The Lord. That is not to say that any of these knew Yahweh apart from Elia. only that this was the full extent of those who were not paying homage to the Lord by being religious. Therefore, addressing his return, uh, Yahweh's messenger announced, I will leave a remnant, sparing a few, who will be left in the end within Yisra'el. There are and will be 7,000, including all of those whose knees have not bowed down, showing reverence to the Lord. Habel. This includes every mouth which, by profession, has not submitted to him. Malachim rulers, 1 Kings, nineteen eighteen. This was the extent of the non-religious who were receptive to the truth. There was hope for them, just as there is the choice of a brighter future for Yahudim, Jews, who are neither political nor religious today. Should there be 7,000 souls among the 7 billion people who may survive to witness Elia's return, there will be a lot fewer Uh, when this is all over, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: then we will have yet another confirmation of the second of three statements. In it, Yahweh etching it in the first of the two tablets said that thousands would benefit from his mercy. Thousands among billions is one in a million. All the while, things went from bad to worse for King Aqabah and his company. Then Baden hadad the uh, king of Aram, gathered his troops together along with 32 kings, uh, horses and chariots with them, and they went up to besiege Shamaron and conduct war. He sent messengers to Aqab, king of Israel, into the city, and they said to him, Thus says Ben-Hadad, your silver and your gold are mine. The prettiest of your wives and children are mine. Eh, These guys are always charming, aren't they?
2: Yeah, piece of work. (laughs) Oh,
1: yeah, piece of work. You know, okay, Aqab was an absolute piece of crap. I mean, Aqab is absolutely, unequivocally going to spend his eternity in Sheol hell, along with Jezebel. It would be hard to be a more disgusting human being than he. That still does not give anyone, including Ben Haddad, the right to say, your silver and gold are mine, your prettiest of your wives are mine, your children are mine. Mr. Haddad, should I end up being your judge? You will spend eternity with Mr. Aqab. Then the king of Israel answered and said, My lord, O king, according to your request, I am yours and all that I have. You know, when you don't know Yahweh and the world is against you,
0: (laughs) what choices
1: choices do you have? Mm -hmm. And this is like being in uh, Yahudah when uh, Babylon came calling because you chose to... uh, align with Egypt, thinking they were going to protect you. Yeah, you can fight them and die, uh, or you can surrender and hope to live. Um, neither is the right answer, by the way. The right answer is mm-hmm. to do what Hezekiah did, which is to dust off the Torah, start reading it, rid the country of all religious shrines and artifacts, and uh, and then begin to celebrate the Mikra as they were intended sure and then Yahweh will send your foes away. In fact, he might even kill them for you. That's the right answer, but we didn't have anybody on this day that knew the right answer. But the messenger returned and said, Thus says then Hadad, stating, Although I have sent unto you, saying you will deliver to me your silver and gold, your wives and children, nonetheless, I will send my servants to you tomorrow, about this time, and they will search your house and your houses of your servants. Then it will be that whatsoever is pleasing in your eyes, they will take away. For the sake of the women and children, not the king, among the 7,000 convinced their uh, capitulating monarch, are to allow them to take a, uh, a stand against the marauding horde and demonstrate Yahweh's support of his people. He uh, simply acquiesced. They did, and Ben-Hadad ran away to fight another day. A few years later, however, once again, deceived by his uh, prophets, Aqab pursued the Syrian king, knowing that he would be targeted. He convinced the king of Yahudah, uh, Yahushua, Joseph, Jehoshaphat, to uh, wear his royal robes into battle while the king of Yisrael donned the disguise. But as luck would have it, uh, Cobb's deception failed when a random arrow found a joint in his armor. He would bleed to death. Uzziah, his son, would follow in his father's footsteps of his 22-year reign, it should be noted. And he did evil. From Yahweh's perspective, because he walked in the ways of his father and in the way of his mother, also in the way of Jeroboam, who called, caused Israel to be religious. He mm-hmm. served Baal and made pronouncements on his behalf and worshipped him. He provoked Yahweh, the God of Israel, to anger, consistent with everything his father had done. You want to provoke Yahweh? Be religious. The degradation of Yisrael and Jezreel is all the consequence of religion, of worshiping Satan as if he were God. Nothing is more irritating to Yahweh or more damning for humankind. Matter of fact, once you have the proper perspective on the book of Daniel uh, and mm-hmm. even the introduction to Ezekiel, and you witness them through the testimony that Yahshua Isaiah provides uh, and the 14th chapter of how Satan will arise in the milieu of Babylon and that his purpose will be to be worshipped as the god of religion, above the Most High, it all falls into place. The Lord God of religion is Satan. Unfortunately the treatment required to forestall religions' malevolent growth would be harsh and unrelenting. It would be nearly 3,000 years before this invasive and crippling malignancy would be arrested in the remnant of God's people. Here's an example. Now Moab, which means who's your father, Rebelled, seeking to expand by revolting against Yisrael, which means those who contend with God. After the plague of death and pandemic disease, the maweth of Akab, father of the brethren. Then Uzziah, seizing control of Yah, fell into an inferior position behind the lattice which served as a trap in his upper chamber, which was in Shamaron, pay attention, Samaria. He became ill, afflicted, weakened by disease. So he dispatched messengers serving as Elia as envoys and said to them, Go, consult with, inquiring information to learn from Bel-Zababa, the Lord's hmm. controlling gift, the god of Ekron, cut out and, and rooted up. Find out whether or not I will live and survive. Being restored from the sickness and injurious affection. <laughs> no is the answer. And don't do that. Don't go to the religious. You're looking for answers. Just when we thought Israel's leadership had fallen to its lowest point possible, another sorry soul stumbled further away from God and deeper into Sheol. Darkness had enveloped God's people. Ba'el zebaba is an interesting name because Zababah is a fly in Hebrew. <laughs> oh, good. Lord of the flies. <laughs> yeah, very good. However, since no one names their God, Lord of the flies, we're compelled <laughs> to consider the verbal root of Zababah. And there we find oh, that <laughs> Zababah means to give or to endow. Combining this with Baal, the Lord, and Master, who owns and controls, we have either the Lord endows or gift of control. We have either the Lord endows or gift of control. And that is a name a fellow like a cob would celebrate. Oh, yeah. is because the bull speaks of being exalted and living in the lofty abode. Once uh, out of the latrine, if we follow uh, Elia's humor, uh, Beelzebub becomes the exalted lord of the palatial and extravagant living. Mm-hmm. Regardless of the Lord's name, we ought not to cool. Uh, please make no mistake. Yisrael abandoned Yahweh by being religious. That is why God was and remains angry at his people, even to this day. That's why he remains estranged from them. It is why Yahweh asked Hosha to marry a religious prostitute so that he would be empathetic. And it explains why he addressed Jezebel in his divorce decree. Mm -hmm. And yet, since God made a promise to reconcile his relationship with these retrobates, he would do what he could to constrain the growth of this thickness he would do so by extracting the most malignant cells yes most would still die of the disease but the remnant would survive perhaps as many as 7000 of them who will disavow judaism the rabbis and their preferred political party any one of the 5000 that vie for votes in israel okay so that's a slight overstatement Let it be known, however, that uh, which such overt condemnations of religion presented and maintained within the books inspired by Yahweh, with reference in Hoshea pointing the way toward what occurred within the Jezreel Valley, and to this review of what prompted the long intermission, all foretold in the opening declaration of Hoshea. There is no excuse, not for a single Jew to have been religious. One has to be willfully ignorant of the prophets to provoke God in this manner. It is so obvious that Yahweh hates religion, the likes of the Hereti are deliberately taunting the Almighty. God finds them absolutely repulsive. By the way, as does anybody who looks at them or listens to them. A messenger of Yahweh spoke to el the Tishbi, my recourse. Arise, go up to meet the messengers and envoys of the king of Samaria. Say to them, Is it because there are no longer any gods within Israel that you are going to seek after and petition, resorting to consulting with Beelzebub, the exalted Lord's gift of control, the God of Ekron to be cut out and rooted up? That's funny. (laughs) Israel did what they are normally do, they... They uh, excluded Yahweh. You won't find Yahweh in the Talmud. Uh, example. You won't find uh, Yahweh in yeah. the Zohar.
2: Mm-hmm. You won't
1: find Talmud in uh, Paul's uh, Christian New Testament. You won't find Yahweh in Muhammad's Quran. They cut Yahweh out. But there were still lots of gods, uh, all fake ones, in Israel. So <laughs> Yahweh is just yanking their chain. <laughs> there aren't any gods left in Israel? You're so desperate that you're going on And seeking an answer from (laughs) Belzebub, that really is pathetic. But in a way, it's really funny.
0: Accurate, very accurate. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh boy, can you imagine being asked that question? I mean, there is no good answer. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We got lots of gods. Uh, No problem. No, I don't know why we went off to that one, but you know, ours ours are taking a nap. Maybe I don't nap time.
2: And therefore, it stands
1: to reason that this is what Yahweh says. The bed is a death fire. The place from which you had ascended, but you shall not come down from it, because you will absolutely die. By saying that the king had ascended from this bed, the prophet was demeaning him. He had done nothing to earn position of monarch. The only reason Aqab was considered a king was the source of the sperm that had conceived him. He was similarly denounced when labeled the king of Samaria because he claimed all of Yisrael. When this envoy, when his envoys, I should say, told him that he was going to die, He wanted to kill the messenger. So he repeatedly dispatched battalions of 50 soldiers to assassinate Elia, only to have each torched by the Almighty. After all of the fireworks, the king died. Don't try to kill those who speak for Yahweh. A really bad idea. Exceedingly disgusted with a lot of them, Yahweh positioned yahoo to rid his people of this problem with yahwah's uh, blessing yahoo journeyed to jezreel to dispatch jezebel upon his arrival satan's little helper and mass murderer was thrown out of a window and devoured by dogs Ahab's sons were next in line uh, and their heads were delivered in baskets before yahoo and dumped before the gates to the city for the crime of promoting religion among God's people, we read, And so Yahu killed all who remained of the house of Ahab in Jezreel, along with all of the highest-ranking sons and all of his acquaintances, especially his priests, until he left him without a survivor. To 10 10.11. And therein is the story of Jezreel. It speaks volumes about what Yahweh or what Israel had become, what they had done to exclude Yahweh from their lives, what they had done to bolster what we now call Judaism, and it is therefore germane to our time, as it was to theirs. It is obvious to the observant, as, uh, is the, because it is the predominant theme presented throughout the Torah and the Prophets, God's problem with Israel has always been their preference for their religion over the relationship he had offered. But here in the Jezreel Valley, this realization is inescapable. Israel had become as perverted and as corrupt as the goyim surrounding them. And as a result of their disgusting religion, the only thing which distinguished these degenerates from other nations is that their epic failures were duly recorded for us to consider. And because Yahweh has not given up on them, while they have gone down in flames, they have risen from their own ashes. It is a luxury that other nations have not been afforded because they succumb to their epic failures. Well, the history of Israel and Yahudah is tragic. It's stained with religion. The goyim who have abused them have been no better. And this is also clear. There can be no question that Israel has brought the divorce decree that we're going to read about in Hoshea this long intermission from God upon themselves. But do not write them off. Yahweh has not replaced them. A day is coming when he will reconcile their tumultuous relationship. Only one question remains. Will, be, will you be among those who eschew Judaism and time to become a Yaud again? which means Beloved of Yah. Two decades ago, this is where my enduring and passionate relationship with the Word of Yahweh began. I started translating Hosha, and it is what has led to this epic journey into the very presence of God. We have witnessed creation, eavesdropped, in the garden, we have boarded the ark, we've walked alongside Abraham, we were eyewitnesses to the formation of the covenant, and with the Yatza Exodus from Mitzrayim. And through it all, we have explored the Torah and contemplated the revelations of the prophets. I can only hope that your experience has been as enriching as my own, and that we will meet one day to discuss all that we have learned on this magnificent journey.
2: May I it ask a question?
1: Tremendous oh, ride. Go ahead, Kirk, please.
0: Fifteen years ago, I picked up yada Yah and I read it, and I never, and I walked away from religion completely. I was never really religious in the sense of what I think of most people are. I went to church to find out answers about God that I couldn't figure out for myself. When I read Yada Yada, I knew immediately, okay, I know that. I know that's right. I put that. You started filling in gaps. And, and, but what is the attraction with religion? I mean, other than going there to find out something, as I, the way I approach it, I, there's nothing about it that's appealing to me. Why do these people so many? What, why, do you think
1: Heretti, why do you think the Haredi, why do you think the uh are unwilling to teach English to uh, any young Haredi boy?
0: Well, obviously control and keep the money into themselves right. and all that right. kind of right. thing. Right. I mean, my why,
1: why, why do the Haredi require that that the uh, their uh, constituents have phones that they control, where websites are specifically blocked as as, inter- as access to the internet? Why do you think that uh, they, uh, yeah. they tell them they can't have televisions and uh, computers? Why? Mm. Why do I they control. require them to spend uh, their lives being indoctrinated with the, uh, the Talmud and rubbish attributed to Baal Shem Tov? Why? Right. The answer is pretty straightforward. They want to control them. Uh, if anyone had half a brain... And was exposed to what, your, what Yahweh was saying. These translations of Yahweh's words and commentary—they're not going to be religious. But you know, think about the indoctrination of the Roman Catholic Church and how you know they constantly drill into their subjects that if uh, if they hear somebody criticize their church, that that person is is demonic and that
0: Satan yeah. You
1: know, yeah yeah Satan so no it's um, the reality you, is that religion him? is exceedingly popular religion is exceedingly good at being bad it deprives the faithful of executing exercising good judgment any threat to the faith is discarded uh without consideration Uh, their primary approach is uh ad hominem to kill the messenger
0: yeah
1: you know it for many thousands of years the consequence of stepping away from religious indoctrination was a torturous public death Mm. and why did islam the dumbest religion in the history of humankind and and you know, the Quran is the but, worst book ever written. How in the world does a religion like Islam survive? And the answer is that Muslims are taught to kill sure. anyone who criticizes it. And, you
2: yeah. know.
1: So uh death and torture are a um, are an influential factor. Uh, it was the same thing for Roman Catholicism and Christianity for uh, for years. Uh, you know, if a person that grows up in an overtly evangelical household begins to explain the truth, they are excommunicated. They are spoken of vilely. They're demeaned as being satanic. They're rejected by their own family. So religion is a very powerful influence. It's it's, uh, why God says, don't waste your breath with them. God made it really clear. That's why this story is so important. Try to rehabilitate them. Don't debate them. Don't tolerate them. Don't respect them.
0: Just don't engage.
1: Do what Yahweh does, which is to expose and condemn them. Expose Expose them, condemn them. If you do so effectively using the truth and using Yahweh's testimony, then you put yourself Mm -hmm. in a position where if someone is questioning their religion, they're questioning their politics, and they're listening – You've given them justification, Hope. affirmation yeah. that there's something better, that, that if they give up what little of the religion is still staining their souls, that they will find something vastly better. And so when I was speaking on that program that you listened to what, 10, 15 yeah. years ago, uh, yeah. mm-hmm. what you heard was an overt condemnation of Christianity at the time, and mm-hmm. you recognized that that what I was saying was true. Yes. That Christianity is exceedingly easy to disprove, and so what you heard was the truth, and it resonated with you because it was the truth, and you realized, you know, I don't have anything that's worthwhile to give up to explore the truth and find where it leads, and you've yes, never been Yes.
2: Yeah. No.
0: Never. It just keeps, it's a gift that keeps on giving. I mean, every yeah. time you write yeah. a new translation,
1: it's like, wow.
0: That's yeah. so that is just It yeah, is. It's, a, it's
1: amazing fun. this gift that Yahweh has given to us through his prophets and Torah. And that's all we do. We, uh, we translate and contemplate and share what Yahweh has conveyed to us through his prophets. Nothing more. Yeah. We don't want your money. We won't take it. We uh, don't want your uh, anything other than for you to come with an open mind and read and listen to God. And if you choose to accept him and engage in the covenant, wonderful. If you choose not to, that's your choice. Mm-hmm. A very different position. We don't want to constrain you or control you. We want to liberate you. We want to we don't want to impoverish you and take your money, we want to enrich you. We don't want to subjugate you. We want to empower you. And it's not us that are enriching and empowering and liberating, but instead Yahweh's testimony. Well, the next chapter of uh, of Hosha Chapter 3 of, uh, it's volume 8, it's called A Separation. Separation, uh, and it's entitled No Mercy. Had Israel listened to God, they would have recognized that their religion was not only precluding them from receiving the blessings Yahweh had intended for his people, but it was also responsible for the litany of debilitating consequences derived from continually antagonizing. Truthfully, folks, you can choose to ignore God, and God will ignore you, and you can live your life, the end of your life, there is no reward, there is no penalty, your soul simply ceases to exist. You know, you were, you were given life, you were given free will, you were given every opportunity, and you can choose to live your life the way you want to. And that's okay. You want to make that choice? That's fine. But if you take the choice of you're going to be religious and you're going to promote religion, particularly if you're Jewish, and you're precluding Jews from coming to know Yahweh by promoting your religion then God's got a problem with you. And if God's got a problem with you, then your fate is far worse than death. Now, simply living your life estranged from God, doing what you want to do with it, and ceasing to exist when it's all over, no penalty. But if you lead people away from him by being religious, then there is a consequence of that. And the consequence is to have your soul spend an eternity in Sheol. That is antagonizing God. The past 3,000 years should have been different for God's people. There would have been no Assyrian, Babylonian, Greek, Roman, or Muslim invasions. No diaspora, no holocaust, no Judaism, no Christianity, no Islam, no communism, had Israel listened to Yahweh. There would have been no Talmud, no New Testament, no Zohar, no Koran, and no Das Kapital. Oh, what a wonderful world it would have been. Rather than Israel being the least valued, most demonized and denounced nation on earth, it would have been the most universally praised. Now there was a lot of claims there. I said, if Israel had stopped yeah. being religious, there would have been mm-hmm. no Assyrian, Babylonian, Greek, Roman or Muslim invasions." Yes. Every situation cool. would have been like Hezekiah. Every situation would have been like Dode. Dod knew Yahweh responded based upon Yahweh, never lost a battle with Hezekiah they turned to the Torah started celebrating Pesach Massa and Bikkurim and Yahweh eliminated the mm-hmm. army that had come to destroy them mm-hmm. but had there been no Judaism there would have been no diaspora there would have been no holocaust Judaism is responsible for Christianity Islam and communism. Paul was not just a Jew. He was a failed rabbi. And the Jews that allowed that religion to grow in their place, shame on them. All they had to do was to say, are you crazy? Read the book. The book says that Dote is the Messiah. The book says that Dote is the Son of God. It says that Yosha here is the Passover lamb. the whole basis of your religion, is wrong. If they had said that, Paul would have been dead in his tracks. Christianity, the the most viciously long-lived anti-Semitic terror against God's people, would have been stillborn. Without Jews selling readings of the Babylonian Talmud to Muhammad, Islam and its Quran would never exist. The enemies of Jews. The Jews themselves have manufactured. But alas the prophet's whore would conceive again, begetting generations of unfaithful children. We'll share this and um well, Kirk, we've reached the end of our broadcast period and I got you. Mm-hmm. um so we will uh we'll continue this uh next week. But we read this is Hosha one six. This is um we're entering one of the most uh well powerful uh prophetic discourses uh, ever recorded. She uh, conceived again and gave birth a daughter. So he uh, said to him Call her name Lo-Rakama, no mercy, Mm -hmm. no favors, no compassion, because you're unlovable. It will be a long time before I once again perceive as lovable, show mercy toward, or beneficially favor the house of Yisra'el. Such that I will lift them up honor or forgive them hosha one six I would say so this um uh, was uh, was written uh after uh dode but um uh well before the uh, babylonian uh, captivity uh which was What, 597 uh, BCE is probably written, uh, I don't have my uh, timeline in front of me, but uh, what, right around uh, 750 BCE, um, give or take uh, a decade or so, and God would have no relationship with Israel from that time to this, over 2,700 years going to change? It's going to change rapidly as we approach the time of trouble. But that's a, quite a statement. It says, because your offspring have shown no favors, no mercy, no compassion, and are unlovable, then it's going to be a very long time before I once again love, show mercy towards are beneficially favor the house of Israel. A long time before I lift them up. The good news is, God did not say forever. And by concluding that sentence, by saying it will be a long time before I love again, show mercy towards, beneficially favor the house of Israel, and lift them up, honor, and forgive them, those things are in the offing. It is being served up to you on a silver platter. Yes, the children of Israel were led astray, and they missed the fulfillment of Pesach, Matzah, B'Kodim, and Shabuah. That is because the rabbis birthed rabbinic Judaism for the express purpose of trying to fend off the birth of Christianity. And so rather than simply explain the truth, that Yosha was the Passover lamb, and the Dod is the son of God and the Messiah. They created this religion that was completely antagonistic towards Yahweh and his fulfillment of the first four mikre. And so you missed it. The opportunity for eternal life. The opportunity to be perfected and adopted into Yahweh's family. The opportunity to be enriched and empowered and enlightened by God. Pisach, Matzah, Okoram, and Shabuah. But there is a second chance for Jews. It's called Kippuram. It's the day of reconciliations. When the door is opened once again to Yahweh's home. This is the day that Dod will come back and he will anoint the Kippurath, the mercy seat, to reconcile Yahweh's relationship with his children. But to be among that remnant, you're going to need to acknowledge Yahweh's name. You're going to need to understand the terms of the covenant and accept them. You're going to need to start attending the mikre as they were intended and not as the rabbis have destroyed their value. You know, for example, everything that the rabbis sponsor that is part of their Pesach Seder is Babylonian in origin, Pagan and in great opposition to Yahweh. The rabbis have completely eliminated Chagmata, which is the day that the stain and stigma, the stench of religion is expunged from our souls, perfecting us before God. Now, the removal of an ingredient is all there is left of it. The rabbis don't celebrate Because they have no clue what it means to be part of God's family as a child of the covenant. And because Christians have claimed Shabuah as their Pentecost, rabbis are opposed to it as well. And so there is no time of enrichment and empowerment for God's people. Having missed all of these in your 4,000 Yah, led astray by your rabbis. God is saying, I'm going to give you a second chance. There is a time I will forgive you. There is a time that I will lift you up. There is a time that I will love you again. And that time is fast approaching. Yom Kippuram and your 6,000 yas 2033. And you might say, well, you know, it's only 2022 now. I've got 11 years. 11 years. Might. Yeah, some of you might. Two-thirds of the Israelites are going to die between now and then. So if you're amongst that, that group, then, uh, then you have forfeited this opportunity. And uh, why would you want to wait? The creator of the universe mm-hmm. is offering to celebrate life with you, invite you into his family, liberate you, empower you, enrich you, love you, raise you. Teach you. Keep you safe. Why why would you why would you want to put that off? You know, he he's not asking for much in return. He does ask for five things, but all five of those things are in, are in your interest. He doesn't want your money. No. He doesn't want you praying to him. He doesn't want you worshiping him. He doesn't want you to make any donations. Don't have to make any pledges. You don't have to join an organization. He really doesn't want much from you. The things he wants are all in your interest. He wants you to walk away from religion and politics, from the babble of integrating and commingling religion and politics in particular. That's in your interest. But it's a requirement, a prerequisite for being part of the covenant family. Walk away from cultures and traditions of your people, and from religion and politics. These are things that are hugely in your favor. Second, walk to God and allow him to perfect you. Very simple path. Start celebrating Pesach as it is explained in the Torah. Start attending matzah. Understanding its purpose. Celebrate Bukurim. Shabuah. Join us in becoming a living manifestation of Teruah to exclaim Yahweh's message so that your lives can be reconciled with God and you can camp out forever with him on Kippurim and Sukkah. That's the path. Then God says, trust and rely on him to trust anyone you need to know them you need to understand what they're offering if you're going to rely this isn't about faith this isn't about beliefs God has no interest in either he wants you to come to know him and based upon what you know put the pieces together to understand so that you can trust and rely upon him that's the third condition to being part of the covenant Relying on the truth when the truth is being offered by the creator of the universe, also a very good thing, is it not? Yes. The fourth is to closely observe, examining, considering the terms and conditions of what God is offering and expects in return. That's the conditions that we're sharing right here of the the covenant. And the fifth is... If you're a man, you need to be circumcised and if your parents circumcise your son on the son's on the 8th day, it is the sign of the covenant. Those are the five conditions. Accept them and you become part of God's family. Reject them and you will be excluded from his family. Pretty simple. Before you do any of those things, I would strongly encourage you to pick up the first book in this series, An Introduction to God. Read the first three, it's three volumes of An Introduction to God. You're going to come to know who Yahweh is pretty darn well by the time you're finished with those volumes. Then start to read the volumes of uh, of, of Yahweh. And read the creation account. Come to know what God did. Read the story of what happened in the, uh, in the garden.
0: And the, science the story of on. man.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is so fascinating. The characters and the story and what's being told. And it's important because that's where we're being invited back. This whole plan of, of six, Moed mikre leading to the seventh and camping out with God is a return to the garden. So come to know what it was like there. See if you would want to be part of that. Read those. And then what you'll find is there is a volume devoted expressly to the first three Moed Mikre, explaining what Pesach, Matzah, and bakurim represent. There's a volume devoted to the two harvests, Shabuah and Teruah and another to the two mechre that have yet to be fulfilled, Purim Reconciliations and Sukkah. And you will learn everything you need to know to capitalize upon what God is offering. Do that. For the sake of your soul. For the sake of those you love, because you can share it with them. Become part of the covenant family. You know, after 3,000 years of misery, well, Kirk, we've uh, we have shared the first statement of one 1:6. We're back into the uh, uh, what I think is the most relevant book for Jews. Um, if you are Yehud, if you are a Israelite, the message that Yahweh revealed through Hoshea is as relevant to your life and to the condition of the history of your people and your opportunity going forward is anything you could possibly read. And so we will systematically go through the rest of this book and share with you what God shared with us. So thank you for being part of the program, Kirk. Uh, I look forward to being with you uh, you. this time next week. And uh, for all of those who have stayed with us in Argentina, Uh, this uh, wonderful uh, evening. May uh, Yahweh bless a happy Shabbat to one and all. Good night.
0: Shabbat Shalom. Good night.